Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, Chris Broussard with us. It is Wednesday. We got a lot going on today. Steelers Pro Bowl running back James Conner is going to stop by, get us all excited for football. Speaking of football, two contending teams now apparently interested in Antonio Brown. We'll discuss and we will have the latest twist from NASCAR. But we start this morning in the NBA with some news that broke late last night. Lakers starting guard Avery Bradley has opted out of playing in the NBA's restart. Bradley citing family concerns. So that means the Lakers can now sign a replacement for him. And J.R. Smith is emerging as the top candidate. The 34-year-old Smith hasn't played in the NBA since 2018. He does have some chemistry with LeBron, though. Remember, he did win the title with the King back in 2016. Nick, let's start with you. How does all of this now affect the Lakers' title hopes as they get ready for a restart? Well, listen, this is a significant loss. And before I get on the court, I just want to say this on the front end. I 1,000% support Avery Bradley. He's got a six-year-old son with some respiratory issues. I think any parent in his position that is being essentially, you have to choose, to, am I away from my son for three months? He probably can't even go with him to the bubble once the first round is over. I totally get all of Avery Bradley's social justice work aside why, given his family health situation, he's not going to play. But on the court, there's a big deal for the Lakers. Avery Bradley's counting stats are not wildly impressive. He's around eight points a game. But he, he was brought in for a very specific reason, which is his perimeter defense, most notably his defense of the opposing team's point guard, was a big area of weakness for the Lakers on paper at the end of the season, and he filled that void. He was healthy for the most part this year. He was top five perimeter defender in the league as far as field goal percentage against, allowing uh, opposing guards to only shoot around 40%. And now the question is, how do the Lakers fill that void? Not just on the roster, as you alluded to, my pal J.R. Smith probably gets signed, but in the starting lineup. Now, Avery missed around a dozen games this year. Contavious Caldwell-Pope started for him in those games. I personally would prefer the Lakers consider Alex Caruso starting for Avery Bradley in these games for a couple reasons. One is... I like KCP and Kuzma being your two primary scorers coming off the bench in that bench unit. And the Caruso-LeBron two-man lineup has been, believe it or not, the best two-man lineup in the NBA, you could argue, not just this year, but for the last two years. They're outscoring opponents by around 20 points per 100 possessions. They just don't get on the court together enough. So it would be Alex Caruso's first ever playoff minute to be a big ask for him. But you are now going to have to choose the best of mediocre options. So I would leave KCP in the bench unit. I would sign JR for depth. And I would strongly consider starting Alex Caruso. And I would not, I'm sure at some point someone's going to bring up Rajon Rondo. I would not even contemplate yeah. moving Rajon Rondo into the starting <laughs> lineup, uh, Wilds. But that, that's what I think the Lakers' next plan of action needs to be. Yeah, well, I'm very confident in playoff Rondo, of course. We'll get into that a little bit later. I'm also oddly confident in J.R. Smith. And at first, I was worried. Oh. So, like, the timeout factor is still sort of the elephant in the room. Nick, he only played 14 games since that timeout. Right? He calls a timeout. They lose. They lose the next three games. He plays 11 games. And that's a wrap on J.R. We haven't seen him since. So part of me was thinking, like, oh, is there sort of like this, like, 
pressure with JR? Is he, is he stressed out about it? But then I saw, oddly, Kevin Hart and JR sitting in the mm -hmm. cold tub talking about the infamous timeout, and I put my mind at ease. Check it out. We missed the free throw. I yeah. didn't realize that. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, all right, because we talked to the coaches. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool, we got that one. We got that one. We about to get back on defense. You get the rebound. I'm like, okay, we good. Game over. Yeah. Man, what the f yeah. you doing? Man, <laughs> you know the worst part about it? When you know you right, you just know you right. You dead ass wrong. Yeah, because you were delivered. <laughs> yeah. Ah! Ah! Let's go. Yes. Game. We going home. Jared, what the f are you doing? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Broussard. You know, the narrative is that he blew a game and he's laughing about it. So I think he can get into the playoffs this year and be like, look, the worst thing possible already happened to me and I'm laughing about it and all is well. I think he'll play stress-free and be a great performer for the Lakers. I'll get into JR in a moment, but first I have <laughs> something for Nick. Woe is Nick. Woe is Nick. All right, the Clippers, you know I picked them over the Lakers. And they had two reasons I picked them. They had, they had the depth and they had the dog. Those are the two advantages they had over the Lakers. And now with the loss of Avery Bradley, that gap just widens. You mentioned that Avery Bradley is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And now without him, it is a big loss for the Lakers. And he's a guy that's mentally tough. He has that dog in him. He is a, an Avery. He's like a, a calmer version of a Patrick Beverly. You know, you have to know the game huh. to really know that he's got that type of heart. And now losing that is big. I, I think he's a guy that's a winner. And he's not always there in big games, but a lot of times he is. And that was the case in March when they beat the Clippers, finally got over the hump against the Clippers this season. He finally is 6 3. Season, well, in three games, season high, 24 points. So this is big. Look, I, I think KCP is the likely starter. Avery only averaged 24 minutes a game, so I don't want to overstate his importance, but he's big. KCP is a better three-point shooter. They'll put him in, doesn't give him close to that type of defense. Alex Caruso... Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he only plays the minutes he does. If he's out there too long with LeBron or without him, he's not going to be as effective. So this really hurts their depth. Now, J.R. Smith. J.R. is just an older, rustier version of KCP. That's it. And, Nick, yesterday <laughs> you, you mocked Draymond Green about turning back the clock. Oh, he's going back to 2016. That was four years ago. JR has I don't remember JR hitting a three-pointer since 2016. So come on, Nick. Oh my God. If your hopes are in oh JR Smith, you're in trouble. I know you may golf with him or whatever you guys do. I don't but golf. He's with not him. the answer. <laughs> he's not the answer. I was about to give Broussard so much credit because he actually shockingly made one truly lucid point. But quickly. JR, you keep saying since 2016. In 2018, prior to the infamous non-timeout, 
He was a solid playoff performer for a Cavs team that, aside from LeBron, especially because Kevin Love got dinged up in that playoff run, had no legitimate rotation players aside from JR, Jeff Green, and Kevin Love. So that's A, that's unfair. B, I'm not asking JR to turn back the clock like Draymond's talking about when he was a top 10 MVP candidate. But let me just quickly say the point Broussard made that's correct. In the playoffs, you need seven or eight guys you trust. It's all you need. The Lakers only had, prior to Bradley opting out, four guys you knew you could trust. LeBron, AD, Danny Green, Avery Bradley. Everyone else is a question mark, and a lot of them have no playoff experience whatsoever. One of those guys just got removed. And so, yeah, it does hurt them. Now, luckily, the gap between them and the Clippers was about here. And so now it's about here. So now if the Clippers can, by the way, manage to get to the conference finals, maybe they can take the Lakers six instead of a gentleman sweep in five. But against Milwaukee, this could be a real problem. Remember, you're talking about the Clippers. Against Milwaukee could be a real problem. And Jenna, I, I know I just talked about playoff performers and guys you can trust. And I feel like now you're going to talk about Rajon Rondo. Why did I leave him off the list? Yeah. And I'm going to lose my mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, Broussard, let me ask you. I've known Nick now almost four years. If I really want to stress him out, I say two words. I say Rondo and I say minutes. And that's all it honestly takes. Are you, let, let me get a little sanity into this conversation. Are you comfortable if Rajon Rondo jumps into that starting role now and gets more minutes? Because I know where Nick is with this. I don't know about the starting role. Look, it's not a great match with LeBron on paper because we know Rondo's not much of a shooter. However, there is this phenomenon called playoff Rondo, and it is undeniable that he has been better in the playoffs. <laughs> He's darn right, downright great in the playoffs at times. You remember, now I know it's going way back, but in Boston, he had some absolutely historic performances alongside the big three. So, I think Rondo here and there can have some big moments and even big games in the playoffs. But, yeah, overall, I don't want to put all my confidence in Rondo being able to fill this spot for Avery Bradley. Look, playoff Rondo's a real thing, Nick, and I think you should be happy about it. Like, it's the difference between, I know you think, like, well, it's regular season Rondo and playoff Rondo. It's, it's, this is perfect. Look at it. Points per game, 10 to 14. Assists, 8 to 9. PER goes up to 18.3. And I know you're going to be like, oh, Wilds. No, no, no. He's 30 something years old now. This is including old Celtic stats. Not true. In the, when he was playing with the Pelicans just two years ago, he's averaged 12 assists a game, led all playoff performers. So I know I would be, Nick, I think playoff Rondo is akin to first things first, Nick. Regular season, Rondo is like Zoom, Nick. Hairs, you know, your hair's messed up. You're 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 walking your dog outside. It oh, feels like the same thing. You're talking back. to a video camera, but now it's playoff. Rondo is just like first things first, Nick. You guys are actually like right there together. All right, I'll be quick here. Listen, here's the deal. Since 2012, okay, there has been one playoff se season where Rondo played more than two playoff games. Since in the last eight years, there's been one instance where we've seen playoff Rondo for more than two games in the playoffs because he got hurt the other two times they made the postseason. And yes, two years ago with the Pelicans, he was quite good. If we are basing it all off that, rather than the two years he's been with the Lakers, where he has been their single 
worst performer. He, everyone talks about, oh, the leadership and the mentoring and the way he helps young players. There is a name, there is a word for people who can't play anymore but are great leaders and teachers. We call them coaches. If he ends up being the starting point guard for the Lakers, then, I mean, I guess congrats to the Houston Rockets because they'll be the team coming out of the West. But I, I, Frank Vogel's too smart to let that happen. I'm not dealing with All right, once again, our top story. Avery Bradley opting out of well, rejoining the team, citing family reasons. we got to take a turn, talk some football. Bears already striking fear into Cowboy safety. Haha, -ha, Clinton Dix. I promise you the words match the video. We'll explain next on First Things First. <laughs> As you may have nice. heard, Major League Baseball has announced there is an agreement in place to begin the 2020 season. MLB is officially coming back. Of course, America's home for baseball this summer, as always, will be Fox and FS1. Back here with former All-Pro running back Ryan Westbrook, we're drawing a blank. Hey, we haven't heard much from Antonio Brown on social media of late. Is something brewing? Very maybe, as my five-year-old says. The Seahawks and Ravens have reportedly had internal discussions about signing A.B. So, Nick, let's start by looking at this from the Seahawks side. Seattle's Super Bowl chances with A.B. would be blank. Well, I don't want to be overly precise here, but Seattle's Super Bowl chances with Antonio Brown would be 15.54%, which is the best in the NFC. How did I come at that number? Very simply, if they had Antonio Brown, they become the favorites to win the NFC, I'd give them about a 42% chance to win the conference. If you win the conference, you go to the Super Bowl. Who do you play in the Super Bowl? Well, we know that. I give them about a 37% chance to win that Super Bowl game against the Chiefs. 42%, 37%, put it together, you get 15.54%, which would be the best of any team in the conference, Brian Westbrook, which if you're Seattle, you got to sign up for it. Best receiver Russell Wilson's ever had by a, by a large margin. I'm not as good as, with math as you are, Nick, so I'm going to go with the word instead of numbers. I'm going to say their chances to win the Super Bowl are rehabilitated, and that's twofold. One, to get Antonio Brown back healthy mentally, healthy physically, he'll have to be re rehabilitated just a little bit. I hope that he doesn't have to worry about some of the things that he's had to worry about in the past. Second of all, that Seahawks offense will be rehabilitated as well. But we know the Seahawks offense is two yards in a cloud of dust. Run the football, run the football. And then every now and then, right. allow one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson, to go win the game for you. To me, you add Antonio Brown, you change the course of that offense. Now you want to air the ball out a little bit more and allow Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown to help you go win games and not just be concerned with the run game. Yeah, so I'm sorry, I'm doing the math here. I, I had slightly better, but I didn't have a number. I came out at 15.55%, Nick. So I think you're just one off there if you want to recheck it. Look, I think they'd be slightly better because it reminds me of Brady Moss, reminds me of a little McNabb T.O., changes the whole dynamic of your offense that now you have a deep, deep ball threat. So 15.55 officially. Nick didn't carry the one. Uh, on the other side of this report, the Ravens. Who do you think would benefit the most from adding an all-pro wideout to an already explosive offense? How about Lamar Jackson entering year three now that Lamar needs much help coming off his MVP season? Nick, Lamar Jackson's chances of repeating his MVP with Antonio Brown and his cousin would be blank. Much like Wilde's new and improved background instead of the prison cell wow. he used to shoot from, their chances would be, or his chances of repeating would be greatly enhanced. 
Listen, I think repeating oh. as MVP is going to be almost impossible for Lamar because he was so sensational last year, particularly from a rushing perspective, but also his throwing numbers, that we became a little numb to it by the end of the season. Antonio is, I'm not saying he's the best receiver in the NFL when he plays, but he's the perfect receiver for Lamar because where does Lamar do most of his damage? Intermediate over the middle, he's usually throwing to tight ends. If you get the best number one receiver who also doubles as a slot receiver in football in AB, all of a sudden those throwing stats could pop and he would have a greatly enhanced chance of winning league MVP again, Brian Westbrook. You know, I think his chances will be diluted just a little bit. We know how special Lamar Jackson was, but when I think of Lamar Jackson, even though he had 36 touchdowns, which is a lot, I think of all of the highlight real plays in the run game, making people miss, uh, running for touchdowns, doing all those different things. And if you add Antonio Brown, I think your expectation for Lamar Jackson throwing the football down the field would be greatly increased. And because of that, you'll be thinking, well, you know, maybe he shouldn't be. Maybe he should be doing these things. Maybe this should be the normal for Lamar Jackson. And, and so I think his chances of winning and repeating as MVP is slightly lower. It'll be diluted, Kevin. Wow, I went slightly better, because I do agree with Nick. I think there's a little Russell Westbrook effect. Like, you get the triple-double, average triple-double for the season, you do it, you win the MVP, you do it again, and everyone's like, ah, we already saw that. I think Antonio Brown would add a new dynamic to the offense that would sort of give a new storyline and could maybe get him his back-to-back uh, -back MVPs. All right, let's move on to clearly the best video of the week. Check this out. See those things up front? Those are bears poking around Cowboys safety. Haha, -ha Clinton Dix's driveway Monday night. You see the guy that just rolled in on a scooter? Haha, -ha Clinton Dix. Scared straight <laughs> off his scooter, dropped it. Nothing haha -ha about that. Look at it again. Nick, your, your reaction, or let's start with you, Brian Westbrook. Your reaction to running into a bear would be blank. It would be embarrassing. And, and here's the reason why. I made my career on my quickness, my change of direction, my ability to make people miss. Now at 40, I would have, first of all, I would have tripped over the scooter. I wouldn't have been able to change direction. I probably would have pulled my growing trying to go back the other way. It would have been embarrassing. It would, have, it would not have been a very good look, Jenna. You know, I, I would not necessarily be embarrassed. I would have kept the scooter. I thought this whole thing was an indictment on scooters and how efficient they are as a mode of transportation. But if you look at HaHa's -Ha record against Bears, it's shockingly great. He's 8-1 in his career, Nick. So I think that he should have been far more confident than he exhibited here. Oh, yeah, he is very good against Bears. Uh, listen, I'm going to use my time to try to educate the audience and maybe save a life. A few things. My reaction would be color-coordinated. And what do I mean by that? America, remember this phrase. If it's brown, lay down. If it's black, fight back. If it's white, good night. What does that mean? If you encounter a brown bear, that means it's a grizzly. You lay down and you hope he leaves you alone. If you encounter a black bear, as I think Jenna did in Yosemite or Yellowstone once, Jenna high-fived it, you punch that sucker right in the face and you see what happens. If you encounter a white bear, that's a polar bear. It's a wrap for you anyway. Hope you've had a good life. There's Jenna high-fiving the bear. Oh, that you looks like guys, a grizzly. Jenna, that's not what you're supposed to do. I didn't know I if that, that was, was black, brown, or white. Go, okay, but hold on. I, I said I'm going to educate America. Now that we're talking about bears, it is a great time to bring up and remember the greatest bear ever to live, Corporal Wojtek. You might not know who he is. We might be all speaking a different language if it wasn't for him. He helped us win World War II. 
He was part of the Polish Land Forces. Look it up, America. And he was a corporal. You know why he was a corporal? Because they promoted him a bear from private when he helped them in Egypt, I believe, carry artillery shells that humans couldn't carry. He marched with the soldiers. He smoked cigarettes with the soldiers. And he drank with the soldiers. None of that's made up. Google it. W-O-J-T-E-K. The greatest bear to ever live. Corporal Wojtek. Thank you, Corporal. Rest in or, peace, sir. Or oh walk God. away from the segment knowing that I just wow. high-fived a bear. Yeah. On to the Rams. The bear. Sh- and thank you. Down. I you did. didn't listen to my color-coordinated stuff. There was a lot there. There was a lot to take in. I got 15.54 is all I can remember right now. On to the Rams now. Their <laughs> offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, said he wants their fifth-year quarterback, Jared Goff, to take ownership of the offense in 2020. Not sure who the previous owner was, but shame on them. Nick, realistic expectations for Jared Goff this season are blank. Uh, yeah, Jared Goff's name is going to be changed this year. His name is going to become Jared Goff's contract. So a lot of contract talks. What you're going to hear, the numbers you're going to hear from him are not completion percentage or touchdowns. What you're going to hear is $29 million, $34 million, $32 million, $32 million. That's his cap hits the next four years. I don't think he's going to be great, and I think the narrative surrounding him, Westbrook, is going to be about this ridiculous, onerous contract that that Rams signed him to when they didn't need to. So I think the expectations are a lot of contract talk. Nick, I'm going to go back to the last comment about the bear. The best bear in bear history is Yogi Bear. So (laughs) let's just start there. But when we talk about uh, Jared Goff, I I think the truth is is that his his 2020 season won't be and it not be 2017 and 2018. And what happened for the the Rams in 2017 and 2018 is is that they won the NFC West title. And they won that title because they had a very strong run game and the best running back in the league in Todd Gurley. And with Todd Gurley, they're able to run the ball down your throat. They're able to throw the ball out out of the backfield to Gurley. But they're also able to use a play-action pass to be successful down the field. Now, when you, we fast forward to 2019, they weren't able to use that play-action pass because they didn't have a run game. And this year, if Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers can't step up in that run game, to me, it's going to be very hard for Jared Goff and that offensive line to be successful. Now, I've also heard the Rams uh, coach mention, we want Jared Goff to take more ownership of the offense. To me, that means you want your quarterback to have more impact on the game. We want to have the quarterback be more of the reasons why you win those football games. We have not seen that from Jared Goff yet. We haven't seen him be the reason why the Rams win. Without that running game, it's going to be very difficult for the Rams. Well, Brian, you also mentioned the offensive line. I wonder how much ownership he can have of the offense unless he's making picks from the offensive line to protect them a little bit. Had 33 points two years ago, went down to 24 points. So I think he can kind of bounce back here. Maybe not average 33 points a game, but get up into the high 20s at least and have a better season than last year. It's going to be tough. He's in that tough division. All right, take a turn. Talk some Steelers with their Pro Bowl running back, James Conner, joining us on the other side. First things first. A healthy lifestyle should be easy, right? Eat veggies, drink green smoothies, exercise, get your heart rate up, and do yoga to bring your heart rate back down. Well, maybe not so easy, but there is something that helps improve everything, and you can literally do it with your eyes closed. It's sleep. Sleep Number knows what it takes to sleep your best. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed lets you choose your ideal firmness, comfort, and support on each 
side your sleep number setting. It's the perfect solution for couples. These beds are so smart, they respond to your every move and automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, for a limited time during the Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the new Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, a queen, now only $1,799. You'll only find Sleep Number at Sleep Number stores or by visiting www.sleepnumber.com. Major League Baseball is back. MLB announcing there is an agreement in place to begin the 2020 season. Great news for baseball fans across the country. And America's home for baseball this summer, as always, will be Fox and FS1. Back here on First Things First with the return of Ben Roethlisberger from elbow surgery with a healthy James Conner. The Pittsburgh Steelers could be in the driver's seat this season. Let's talk about that driver's seat with the aforementioned Pro Bowl running back James Conner. James, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. I, I'd ask you how you've been, but I, you've been a very, very busy man. You're working out, you bought your dad, surprised him with a new truck, and then you casually <laughs> co-wrote and published a book during your free time. I took up Pilates. I, don't even compare. Uh, the book is called Fear is a Choice. Let's start there. Tell us about the book. Yeah, Fear's a Choice, uh, my memoir, um, I partnered with Harper Collins and um, had the opportunity to write this book. And uh, so far, the feedback from it has been amazing, so that's been a blessing. The book is just, uh, you know, about tackling life's challenges with dignity, faith, and determination. And, um, you know, just want to get something down and want to give the people something that they could, you know, come back to and apply to their life. Just about adversity, knowing that it, that happens in life and, and knowing there's a way to, to be better and grow from it. So um, really, really excited about it. James, congratulations on the book. Um, I, I am a little bit upset with you, though. After I saw the video of you giving your father a truck, my own father was very upset with the restaurant gift certificate I gave him. I really, you made the bar <laughs> so high. It's tough for the rest of us to compete. Can you tell us about the story of you giving your dad a truck and how much it meant to him and how you came up with the idea? Well, well your father should be, you know, he should be, it's a thought that counts, you know, so he should still like the gift card. <laughs> um, but, you know, my dad's been wanting a truck for a little while now, you know, it's been something that he said he always wanted. And um, I had the opportunity to do that this year, you know, been, been saving up. And and uh, once you surprised him with that a little early, you know, for Father's Day, uh, he came down to Pittsburgh. I surprised him with it there. I got the truck from uh, from Bowser GMC in Pittsburgh. Um, they've been a great partner of mine. And so, uh, yeah, just wanted to really surprise him. I got the idea from uh, one of my old teammates at Pitt, Aaron Donald. He, he got his dad a truck. And. And I knew my dad's reaction would, would be priceless like it, like it was and like it's showing. Uh, so, you know, just a blessing to be a blessing. And so happy I could, I could do that for him. Well, your old teammate at Pittsburgh, Aaron Donald, could have got his dad a dealership. Like, I mean, if you, you got your dad a truck, <laughs> you're still on your first contract. Uh, but, um, all right, tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about your relationship with your dad. Because I've read a little bit about it. I saw, obviously, that video. I thought it was... I thought it was a beautiful moment, but I also think, given your story, which I know you obviously outline in the book, uh, I, I think it's worth expanding on, if you will, and how important that's been to you throughout college and now into the pros. Yeah, my father was a working man. You know, he, he's been very busy his whole life, you know, working countless hours. Um, and so for me to be able to do that, it's just, you know, like I say, it's like I always say, it's a blessing. And... Um, you know, he supported me and things that I've done always believed in me. So um, I think I just figured, you know, let, let's do that for him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's awesome. And so, uh, like I said, he's a working man, and so he deserves it.
That's awesome. It's a great story. All right, I want to ask you some uh, on-the-field questions. You are entering the uh, final deal of your rookie year with the Steelers. We're about a month away from training camp, assuming everything goes as planned. Do you, James, have specific goals for yourself heading into this season? A lot of eyes on this team. Big Ben's coming back. A lot of people looking to see what you guys can do. But you specifically, do you have an idea of where you'd like to see yourself go over the course of this next season? Uh, well, uh, I take a personal get the run game going. So that's the first and foremost, you know, I'm a running back. That's my job. So um, at the end of the day, we just want to win. That's all it's about. Like you said, uh, we're getting our quarterback back, uh, back and healthy. And so we're, we're going to rally around him and, and be excited about that. Uh, but the goal has always been to win. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we have a standard there. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to get to, 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 the highest, to the highest game. And that's that Super Bowl. And so that's, that's really our goal, the only goal in mind. Uh, I know when we win, everything else will take care of itself. And I'm doing the best I can to get my body right and uh, to, to stay healthy and and uh, just be that good teammate and, and, and be a leader out there. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about what's to come. I hope we can get started soon, and, and uh, it, it'll be a big year for us. You had a quote that you said the Big Ben's ball was whistling. Is there a specific moment where you're like, wow, this guy is back and you have full confidence in him? Is it actually like hearing the ball whistle? Well, that's, that was just good to hear, you know, but we uh, we got together and we were throwing. Uh, Juju Switzer that was there and uh, Ben was throwing, throwing it around and uh, he was just looking confident. So um, I know his work ethic and how he works and, and what he wants to do. And that's one again. You know, he already has Super Bowl. So um, I'm confident in him just because of his resume and who he is as a person and how he leads us. So, uh, you know, I know he'll be ready. How tough was it for you guys last year going without, you know, the leader of your team, the guy who's been the quarterback of this team for 15 years, going a bit of a quarter carousel deal, Mason and Duck and back and forth that uh, you guys, you guys were right there, you know, alive for the playoffs with a few weeks left in the season fell off at the end. But how, how tough was it going into each week, knowing that you, you were going to be at something of a deficit because of the inexperience at quarterback after having played with one of the most experienced quarterbacks in football? Uh, it was definitely tough when he went down week two. Um, but, I mean, I, we, we knew he was down in week two, and so uh, we, we just had to get after it uh, week after week. Um, we didn't dwell on the fact that, you know, he wasn't there. We still had games to play. And so, um, it was, like I said, it was tough when he went down, but the show had to continue. And uh, we, we, we tried to get max effort and, and go out there and, and win still. And so, uh, you know, but nothing we can do to get last year back. So uh, we're just kind of focused on the future. Hey, James, give us an idea of, of, if you can, just from conversations you've probably had with Ben Roethlisberger, like how excited is he to come back and how antsy has he been having to basically watch all last season and rehab and all of it and see what the team did just to, to get back out on the field and be around you guys when that is uh, possible? Oh, well, well, he just loves the game. You know, he's been at it for so many years. And so um, he, he's just super excited. Um, yeah, hey, I know he wants to go out there and just win it. So uh, we're not talking. We don't do too much talking. That's uh, one thing Coach T preaches is not. We got at the end of the day, we we measure how how successful we are by our performance. And so um, all the work we do in the off season, that's all great. But you know, it comes down to to what the season looks like and and how well we we perform. So uh, I know he's excited to get back out there, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. James, with everyone in quarantine, how have your workouts been? You posted this Instagram picture that we ran on the show a few weeks ago, and we were shocked. I think Nick's claimed it was Photoshopped. Uh, can you tell us about, mm -hmm. about your workouts yeah. in the offseason? I don't believe it. 
And was this photoshopped? <laughs> um, it's been awesome. Uh, when the quarantine first started, I just told myself, uh, come out this thing better than, than when we started. And so uh, I was in Pittsburgh for the quarantine. I was, I was, I was training hard up there. Um, you know, I was training with Ambie and Janet uh, up in Pittsburgh for a while. My mother was, was with me, uh, helping me with my nutrition and diet. Uh, now I'm currently in Florida and I'm working with Aaron Sane. And we've been, he's been on helping me with the diet and, and workouts and I'm at Bomberitos training. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a group effort. I just been putting in my work and I got a great team around me, but with everybody helping me, uh, with support cash. And so uh, the team is solid, man. We're just trying to, you know, I'm getting help from, from a lot of people. And so that's how we can make these things possible. Like I said, I'm doing everything I can to, to stay healthy and get this body right. And so, um, hopefully we can perform. You notice what I didn't hear there, a denial that that was photoshopped. Listen, you don't have to get into it. I feel like it was just distorted, <laughs> stretched a little, distorted a little bit up at the top. All right, you, you referenced Coach Tomlin, James. Uh, I, I think for some reason, despite never having a losing season, being to multiple Super Bowls, winning a championship, he's not talked about as, you know, aside from Belichick, the best coach in the NFL. And I think he has an argument that Belichick's kind of established himself separately, that of all the other coaches, he's the best. What makes him so successful? And what's something as a player about him that you particularly appreciate? What I love him, uh, about, the, about him as a coach is just the honesty. You know, uh, he doesn't ever sugarcoat anything. You know, he tells it like it is always. And uh, also the good thing about him is he, he doesn't really care for the praise. You know, he, he has one job and one focus, and that's all he cares about uh, is winning. And so that's the reason why, you know, his records have been what they've been. And so um, he, he coach doesn't need the praise. He doesn't need an applause. He doesn't care for all that. Um, but like I said, he's just so honest, and uh, he's a great leadership. He has great leadership skills, um, believes in us, gives us the utmost confidence week in and week out. And so uh, it's, it's phenomenal playing for him. Um, it's, you know, like I said, I was – I was uh, at Pitt, and, and I got to see him work and uh, just watch how he led those guys. And so now it's just awesome to be a part of it. And so uh, phenomenal coach, and, uh, you know, we just can keep rolling. All right, James, let's have a little fun. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't think too much. Just give me the first name that pops into your head. Here we go. Best running back in the NFL not named James Conner. Uh, that's tough. I got to give two. Make Saquon or McCaffrey. Okay. Oh, okay, I like it. All right, here we go. Best best team in the AFC, not name the Steelers. Best team in the AFC, uh, Baltimore. Oh my God. Oh, okay. They, they, you get a chance. Chiefs won the Nick's Super. Nick's having a moment. I was like, I like I'm a fan. Kansas I'm a fan. 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 It's true. He's got Lamar over Mahomes, Nick. You better drink that coffee. Which defensive player, James, do you most want to deliver a stiff arm on that you haven't already? You got someone in mind? Uh, uh, Aaron Donald. <laughs> That's my man. Oh, yeah. Aaron Donald. I, I, I got to let Nick react quickly to him picking the Ravens over the Chiefs. He's most worried about no, listen, I get it. over yeah, the I understand Steelers. You they want the Ravens to have a chip on their shoulder? Chiefs, the Chiefs. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I mean, so I mean, I just—you said don't think too much. So I just, I just, you know. I got it. No, uh, you're AFC, going good, I and I want to see you. I want to see you mush face Aaron Donald. I like it. Your second and your third answer, you made up for the second answer. It's all good, man. There's no beef here. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, James Conner, your new book is called "Fear Is a Choice." Thank you so much for joining us. All the best to you. We'll take a break. Much more on the other side. First things first.
Back here with Chris Broussard discussing the latest developments now in the Bubba Wallace NASCAR story. The FBI determining yesterday that Wallace was not the victim of a hate crime because the pool rope that was fashioned like a noose had been on the Talladega garage door since October. Bubba Wallace has since come out and said, quote, weather tied in 2019 or whatever, it was a noose. Bouchard, we'll start with you. What was your reaction to this? Well, look, first of all, I think this is being lost in this discussion. We should be glad that it was not a noose, that this was not a quote-unquote death threat to Bubba Wallace. You know, let's be happy that the investigation showed that and nobody in that garage or on those teams put that up. So that's number one. Secondly, I think people are crazy for killing uh, Bubba Wallace, saying he's Jesse Smollett. He's not, though. He never even saw the noose. All right, he saw photos of it later, but he never saw it. He didn't discover it. And overall, I think that while you can say NASCAR overreacted and all of that, ultimately, if you look at this objectively, this is still a good look for NASCAR because we know their history. We know the things they've tried to overcome. And this shows how serious they are about overcoming racism, moving on from their past with the Confederate flag and all of that stuff. Richard Petty hadn't been to a race because of his age since the virus started. And he goes out and turns out. So this shows that NASCAR is indeed serious about moving on Regardless of what happened, whether they overreacted, I think ultimately it's still a good look for NASCAR. I, I agree. I agree, Broussard. You said something fascinating yesterday that when we saw the, per, uh, the procession of drivers and teams pushing Bubba's car, you said the scary thing is there might be someone on one of those teams that is responsible for this. So the fact that that has been alleviated, I think, is the best case scenario for NASCAR. If we could show the NASCAR's quote, I think there's something very interesting at the end here where we appreciate FBI's quick and thorough investigation, are thankful to learn that this was not an intentional racist act against Bubba. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all, for all who love racing. Look, NASCAR is moving forward. There's a, race, there's a race this weekend at Pocono. I'm gonna watch Bubba again. I think overall this is best case outcome for NASCAR and Bubba, Nick. All right, so I, I'm gonna take this down a slightly different track because I, the moment this story first came out, you had a loud corner, not just of the internet, but of the media, sports media included, who immediately started comparing Bubba to Jussie Smollett, saying either there never was a noose, it was a hoax, or Bubba or someone on his team did it to engender sympathy. And those people, despite the FBI proving them dead ass wrong, those people are taking a victory lap today and it's repugnant. The, the sequence of events was, and those people are still saying, oh, all the garage pull-down ropes look like this. No, they don't. It, ask Bubba, ask NASCAR president Steve Phelps, who came to Bubba, tears in his eyes, because he was so shaken by what he had seen. Now, it is, an, it is a wild coincidence that there was one garage that had its pull-down rope, not tied into a knot, you can look at the video, but tied into a noose. 
Uh, one garage like that, so much to where the people in the garage saw it, they were shaken by it. Steve Phelps saw it, was shaken by it, and brought it to Bubba. But Bubba didn't ask for any of this, and that's the garage, obviously, that was assigned to Bubba Wallace. But here is the sequence of events, and these are, these are not disputed facts. NASCAR bans the Confederate flag. That's the first layer. Then you have such pushback, you've got a NASCAR driver quit the sport. Say, I, basically, I love the Confederate flag more than I love racing. I'm out. You then have this weekend at Talladega, a Confederate flag fly over the stadium and a Confederate flag rally. Then a noose, a pull-down rope, according to the FBI, fashioned as a noose, is found in Bubba Wallace's garage, and people, I believe, had the very reasonable reaction, which is, that's not a coincidence. Before the news came out what the FBI's report was, you had Dustin Skinner, a former NASCAR truck driver and a son of a guy who won a few NASCAR races, Mike Skinner, say, I wish they would have tied the noose to Bubba's neck and dragged him around the pits because he single-handedly destroyed the sport I love. All those things happened. And... On the front end and the back end, there's one victim in this, Bubba Wallace. And yet those same people who smeared him as Jussie Smollett, now that the FBI has confirmed that it was there and confirmed he had nothing to do with it being there, are taking a victory lap. They're attacking the, the usual suspects, such as Jamel Hill, because God forbid she talked about uh, uh, history in this sport that is troubling. And it is... Beyond reprehensible to me that folks who said this man was perpetrating a hoax and they just knew it are taking the fact that there was not an intentional hate crime committed against him as proof that he was perpetuating a hoax. And I fear for, because Bubba said on CNN, he's reading the comments. Don't read the comments, Bubba. And it's the responsibility, I think, for those of us in, in this position to set the actual record straight, which is the FBI said, yeah, there's one pull-down rope that was fashioned as a noose. It somehow was fashioned as a noose last October, which is a totally different issue. But all that happened, and I think NASCAR's response, Jenna, was totally reasonable given the context of this weekend. I couldn't agree more. Uh, like Broussard said, like you and Kevin said, I applaud what NASCAR did and how quickly they responded to it and the message they put out there. And I think we'll all be watching and rooting for Bubba Wallace uh, in the Poconos this weekend. All right, we're going to take a turn now and discuss some stories to start your morning this morning, starting with the return of baseball. MLB announcing that the 2020 season will begin on July 23rd or 24th, with players reporting by July 1st for training. All right, Nick, a lot of storylines out there. Mm -hmm. Which one are you most excited about for the upcoming 60-game baseball season? Oh, listen, I'm excited to see which team that nobody expects to be any good starts out 12-3, and three, and that's 25% of the schedule. And then we're like, could they make the playoffs? And we talk so much Yankees on FS1. And the whole nation wants to talk about the Yankees. How about we, instead of the Yankees, we talk about a team that's actually made the World Series a couple times the last decade, like the Kansas City Royals. Won a championship, made another hot start, Royals. Let's go. Let's make it three in seven years. Little mini dynasty in Kansas City. Who knows? That's just what people are saying, Wilds. It's what I'm excited about. Uh, okay. Yeah, just note to the producers of the show, Nick wants to talk about the Royals rather than the Yankees. I don't know if that's the best idea. <laughs> Look, I think the obvious answer for start is the Astros. 
every time the Astros go into a new stadium, face a new pitcher, you've got to be wondering, like, are they going to be hit? So that's the thing I'm going to be most interested in. Oh, hitting home runs. I actually want to see the opposite. Astros are getting <laughs> off lucky because no fans will be there to boo them. I'm talking about Mookie Betts, arguably the best player mm. in the league, not named Mike Trout in Los Angeles. Teams up with the NL MVP, Cody Bellinger. Get the Dodgers over the hump. First World Series since 88. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Now, the right answer, guys, is the New York Yankees, Jerry. On to the latest now on Jokic. Nuggets star center Nikola Jokic has tested positive for coronavirus in Serbia. His return to the United States has now been delayed. Roussard, what was your reaction to the news? Well, you know, look, in this short window we have, it's going to delay him getting here. I assume he's not going to be working out while he has the virus and he's, you know, resting up from that. So it's a little bit of a setback, but, and I'm no doctor, but I guess it's better to get it now than to get it later, you know, when you're playing games or when you're getting ready closer to the start of the season. So I guess it could be a good thing in that regard. All right. Um... Nick, I just hope he uh, he feels better. I think this is a troubling trend, obviously, that we're seeing. I just hope that he gets better for the, and is able to play in Orlando. Well, I, I obviously echo that. What I'll say is this. It's just a little PSA to the viewers. He was asymptomatic. He didn't know he had it. He had no symptoms, and he got tested and found out he had it, which is a reminder, folks. Wear your masks. Continue social distancing. I'm not saying you have to shut down your whole life. Nikola Jokic thought he was fine. And we're going to find out, as we're finding out in college sports right now, college football, a lot of people who think they are totally fine and have no symptoms are actually carrying this virus and can be vectors of it. So just be cautious and take the, the precautions we need, because I do think we're going to find a lot of these cases when the NBA ramps up of guys who have it but had no idea they had it, Jenna. Smart, Nick. All right, let's talk some bills, 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 our friends over at Fox Bet have the Patriots as the favorites to win the AFC East with the Bills right behind them. Based on this video of Josh Allen's cannon, I know who I just might have my money on. I just now have to learn how to gamble. But Wilds, who you got? What? Based on this video, you're going to, like, one guy throwing on an empty <laughs> yep. field? The Bill Belichick's won the AFC East. <laughs> I don't even need to 11 say 11 years in a row. It's still, it's, you, Stidham's, only, only video Stidham's posting, he's like enjoying wine, relaxing. I need a little more video from Stidham. If this makes you think the Bills are going to win the AFC East, it's 11 years running for the, it comes out of Foxborough. You got to come through Foxborough to get the title, and it's not happening for the Bills this year. Sorry. I hate, I, Broussard, I hate to agree with him, but I do agree with him. I think the Patriots find their way to 10 wins despite Jar the Javelin stabbing them throughout the year. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, Josh, we all know Josh Allen's got a cannon. The problem is he doesn't have a great history of aiming that cannon at his own people. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I was on the Bills last year, and Buffalo loved me. I was, I'm off them this year. I think it's the Patriots, Broussard. Two words for you guys. Tom Brady, he's gone, oh. all right? You have that much confidence in Jared Stidham? Brady was the reason. Belichick's great, but Brady was the reason for the dynasty, all right? No, that period, the end. I'm going with the Bills in this one. I, I reserve the right, right to change my sorry. mind. But right now, I'm going with the Bills. <laughs> I reserve the right to change my mind. No take integrity. Are you with the ball? 
A baseball signed by Michael Jordan when he was 13 years old is now up for sale. People believe the signature from 1976 could be Jordan's first ever autograph, go for as high as $50,000. Look at that, Mike Jordan. Broussard, how much you shelling out for this piece of memorabilia? Big money, Jenna. Contrary to some ill-informed and biased people on morning TV, he's the GOAT. I I'd pay whatever it takes to get it. <laughs> Look, I think it's interesting that it might be his first autograph. If I'm one of his like childhood teachers, I'm going through my old folders to see if I've got any uh, old math assignments that's going to go for 50 grand. Nick. Yeah, I, I actually, by the way, I think Mike Jordan is what he should have stayed going by. I like that. I think that, oh. you know what? And not that Jordan had trouble marketing himself, but I think if Be Like Mike was the famous thing, I think you should have stuck with that. And that signature, I actually like it. Very simple. I like it. I'm not anti-Jordan. I like that it. That being said, he's Second not famous for all time. No problem. We got to go. Yes, no. no. Have a good day, everyone. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow.